Welcome to the Conversions Podcast, where we discuss conversion rate optimization and the latest tips, technologies, and actionable strategies that you can actually use to get more of your website's visitors to take action. And now, your host, Francis Teo. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Conversions Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, a quick shout out to people who have left us iTunes reviews. We have a five-star review from Ben who says, there's so much talk about SEO, social media, and PPC that kind of gets lost that your website is your sales machine. The Conversions Podcast addresses all these things while focusing on the fact that you can make more money by doing a better job converting your existing traffic or customers. Looking forward to what else I'm able to learn here. Thanks for the kind words, Ben. If you like what we've been doing here at the Conversions Podcast, we would very much appreciate a review on iTunes. That would help us get even more guests and listeners so that we can continue to bring you the best strategies in conversion optimization today. I've made it super simple to leave us an iTunes review. Just go to conversionspodcast.com review and you'll be automatically redirected to our page on iTunes. Also, if you stick around until the end of the episode, I have a very special offer for you that will definitely help you increase your website conversions. Today, we have with us Dennis Moons. Dennis is the founder of Black Belt Robots, a marketing consultancy based in Antwerp, Belgium. He helps businesses optimize the search engine advertising campaigns as well as optimize the entire conversion funnel to improve their overall marketing performance. Welcome to the podcast, Dennis. Hey, Francis. Great to be here. Could you tell us a bit more about how you got into the conversion and marketing consultancy business? It's a pretty good story, though it hasn't been uh, so long since I got started. I've been active uh, around five years in uh, digital marketing, and it got started after university. I went to uh, a small software company and did an internship there, and I was a marketing guy. So basically on day one, I went in there and the founders told me, uh, we're all developers. You're the guy that know, knows most about marketing here. So go do it. A good start, really results focused. And in the beginning, I was struggling a bit, finding my way fresh out of university. Not really that much experience. So we tried a bit of everything. Social media, email marketing, blogging, even some, some paid advertising, if you can believe it. And after a while, we discovered some things were, were really not working that well for our for our audience uh, and others were so we managed to find a bit of a sweet spot and getting uh, for my personal career it was a bit more about getting metric focused using really the data to drive uh, to drive decisions after this internship i really liked the idea to helping clients to achieve this mindset of being more uh, focusing more on the, on the metrics and going a bit away, more away from intuition-based marketing. So that's what I've been trying to do the last couple of years, uh, helping companies uh, look, look at the data, look at their, their analytics to see what's going well, what's not going well. And in the beginning, after also running a lot of uh, PPC, paid search campaigns, I saw that there, there's a limit that you can go with optimizing this, uh, this search advertising. And until a certain wall, you, you've actually optimized your ads, optimized your, your spending as much as you can. And then the visitor goes off to the landing page of the client, landing page, or even sometimes just the home page. So I saw that there was a lot of gain to be had by, by tweaking that, that last part of the whole process. So I started getting a reading up about a conversion optimization. And I also at first went uh, really like intuition. We would try something, it would work, it wouldn't work, okay, on to the next one. And it would, it would lead to some results, but usually after a couple of lucky wins, uh, it would die down and we would be a bit stuck 
finding uh, finding that next phase. And it was only when I when I really got serious about learning conversion optimization that I find the more the holistic concept. Yeah, using using a process, really getting into your customer's head in order to drive tests and then take a methodical approach to these testing so that you never run out of, of testing ideas or, or a testing direction. Great. This would be a good time to ask about what's your overall strategy and your process you use for increasing conversions on websites? You mentioned some methodical approach. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we usually get started by sitting down with the company, with the, with the owner, with the, with the marketing team, and just talk about their, their strategy. Uh, what are they trying to achieve? Uh, what are their objectives? And then also see how, how digital plays in that. What role does their website or, or marketing campaigns play in that? What are their digital objectives? And then we see if, if we have that, if, if we have a good overview of that, it helps us understand um, what the business is about, what the company does, and how it approaches things. It also gives an impression, as an impression on the room the marketing team has, for example, to, uh, to innovate and try new things. Second part is uh, we go look at their customer. What data do they already have about their customer? A lot of times it's going to talk with uh, with their sales teams if it's a if it's a bigger company. Talk with them about yeah how what objections do people have? What, what problems is this company really trying to solve for their customers? It can be yeah through through interviews internally, but we also try to go externally talk with uh, with new customers. What convinced them to buy from the company? What what objections they they have? What problems do they have? What problems does the company solve well? What doesn't it solve well? So, so it's already two parts. We know what the company does. We know more about the customer. And then third, we look at the, all the online assets that the, the company has. Mainly it's the web analytics. We go dig in, see how the website, how all the information that we already have about the customer, how it translates yeah, into the website, into the actual things we see. And a lot of times it's uh, identifying this helps us identify weak spots in a, in a company's website or in a company's process, which are then like the, the first targets we can, we can address, trying to combine what we know about the customer, what we see on the website, and create uh, testing around that. The way we, we approach testing is also by always coming up with the hypothesis first, then we're gonna, we're gonna, we know, so we know a bit the direction that we're gonna test in. We create this hypothesis, we check if it's, um, we, we run the, the A-B tests, we validate it. If it's not, okay, we, we try and search for, for other things that are in the direction that, uh, that we're thinking. And then after, yeah, we try to, to couple it back with, uh, with good reporting to the, to the client uh, so that they know what is going on and what we're trying. And also making them, making them aware, that's a big part of the process because they assume a client or, or if you're working in-house, they're spending a lot of money on a consultant on, on, on this testing and they want to see results. And we try to, to educate the client to show that it's not just increased conversions because not all tests work. Even the majority of your tests, they will be insignificant or return weird results. But for, from every test, you can, you can learn something, a bit of the, dire uh, the direction that you were going in. Maybe that's not the correct way to think about it. Maybe the customer doesn't care about the thing you're trying to change or, or he, doesn't, he didn't notice. So we're trying to combine this really increased, uh, increased sales or increased uh, web leads with this uh, learning process, if you will. You mentioned some test preparation process as well as going into testing. How long do you take to do the test preparation as compared to the actual testing? Do you spend a lot of time preparing and talking to customers, talking to the salespeople? 
Yeah, uh, usually, usually the, the the preparation phase is a uh, is a lot a lot more extensive than the actual the actual testing, the running the tests, spending time talking to the the company, getting to know them, uh, talking to the customers or, or sales teams. For example, in in a, in a project we recently did, we spent I think three or four days. Um, with the company, um, accessing customers at their location and really talking to them. And then the actual tests we will run over the coming months. And it's actually only only a small part. The the main the main research the, the research is, is really the the foundation on which we build the testing and, and build the testing idea. So so yeah, I would say that the the, the, the research beforehand is a is a lot more important and extensive than actual testing. That way, like I said earlier, uh, we want to make sure that the tests we run and the tests we we execute on, we're sure or we we know that the direction is the direction in which we're testing uh, is a good direction, and that we're not testing one-off ideas uh, and getting lucky or unlucky, depending. Uh, uh, yeah, on the weather or uh, the color of the buttons. That's really interesting because a lot of people think that testing is just about running the split test and then getting the results. But I mean, people who actually do the optimization know that we spend a lot of time to take a look at the customer data and try to get that inside the customer's head before we even start testing anything or before we even start uh, creating a hypothesis. So... Yeah, that's true. And it's it's also hard to get uh, if you're working within a, a larger company or if you're working uh, as a consultant. It's not always easy to get buy-in from the customer to do this kind of research because they, they're focused on, they want to see, okay, conversion optimization, they, it can increase conversions, deliver us better results. And then you're coming there with a proposal or with the idea that, yeah, first we have to do research. And it's really important to, to sell the value of, of this research to your client. Uh, first. You mentioned a bit about weird results. What kind of weird results have you found? One of the a, a case study we worked on, um, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting one, I think. Uh, it was with an with a energy provider and they have the, the, com- the, the company where, where we're working for. People can switch online between um, energy providers like electricity or, or gas or something. And this is, these are processes that take, it's not like a, your regular checkout process where you select the quantity, enter your address, and, and pay but this is a longer step people have to fill in their meters their account numbers it's a lot of information that they don't have with them at the time they, they start the, the process so they have to maybe go look it up check in their basement the num- go read off the number so it's a pretty high friction uh, process and we were trying to get more people through this funnel so one of the tests we ran it, it was a big company so they had a they had a call center and we, we were thinking like okay uh, how can we make this process easier so instead of having the people fill out all the, the information without okay what if we ask basic information in, in a first step and then call them up and then guide them through the whole process. One way it would be to, to really see what, what kind of struggles people have. So we were using the test actually as a kind of qualitative research tool, but also as a test to see if we could uh, convert more people. So we ran a test. On the one hand, we had the whole online fulfillment process. On the other hand, we would take in the first step, take the customer's data, call them up, and then guide them through the process. The, the results of the tests, they were insignificant and Maybe, maybe luckily, but um, we were down like 10% or, uh, or something. But it learned us a bit, also tests that we, we followed up on. It learned us that actually when people decide to start uh, in this fulfillment process, they're highly motivated. So they, um, they don't really have that much problems 
filling in this, this weird data. And it didn't matter if we would take out questions or, or add other questions or try to make it easier. The needle wouldn't move a lot. Uh, so that, that then we knew that, okay, once people start, we're not going to get great gains by, by focusing on that process. So we went to the beginning of the funnel to try and get more people into the process, actually. And there we saw we saw bigger increases and it was a, a much easier process um, and more creative uh, if I might add. That's a really interesting result. And I think all of us get some weird results like that from time to time and we just scratch our heads and wonder what's going on and we take a look at the data, we take a look at the test results. But it's not unusual to get this kind of results, I would I feel. Yeah, no, but it was a, it was an interesting uh, an interesting case actually by that we, we were a bit too focused on, on the actual checkout process because we feel that the closer you are to the to the money, the closer you are to the actual payment or the, the completion of the of the transaction, the closer you can have improvements there. All all your traffic that's already going through is going to go through smoother through your funnel. So that's why we were really focused on this, yeah, end funnel. While actually the gain, uh, the, the the true gains, we achieved the true gains by taking a step back and looking at the whole process, not just staring yourself blind on a, on a couple of steps. Great. Can you tell us a bit more about the conversion problems you see on websites and e-commerce shops today? One of the things I, I run into a lot uh, with uh, with clients is the the brochure website. The, they they have a web web presence, but it, it it's not really. It's they taken their their brochure they had maybe 10, 15 years ago. And just translate it into a website. This means a website without clear objectives and, of course, without a call to actions. Uh, some companies, uh, especially a homepage, we see that it has not only multiple objectives, but not, not even clearly defined uh, tasks for, for, for the customer. That's one of the biggest ones. Uh, we, we hope we help our clients uh, solve that by working with landing pages, uh, trying to to add content to their website or to add extra pages to their website to really show them that it might look good and they got buying from the whole company to create this kind of website. But in reality, these pages, yeah, they compared to landing pages with a clear goal, with a clear call to action. It, it's obvious um, after you show them like test results. And that's 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 a good way to get buying from uh, from clients as well to, to think a bit more about um, the action they, they want brochure, they want their websites, they want visitors to take. A second part really related to, to this is uh, that they don't have dedicated uh, landing pages, especially for, I work a lot with uh, with PPC, and then there you see people just sending uh, adverts traffic to their homepage, combined with uh, with uh, with my previous point on the, on the websites without a clear call to actions. They just get lost, so it's it's a bit it's a bit double. People are spending a lot of money on on, on advertising and not managing to convert this uh, this traffic correctly. It's a it's it's a weird phenomenon <laughs> with some clients. Great, that's really interesting. For this brochure type websites that you see, I've seen my fair share of brochure type websites. Do you recommend that they redesign the whole thing without doing any split testing? Because uh, sometimes I just do that because it just looks very dated. And that's, in my opinion, sometimes there's, if you want to do some split testing or conversion optimization, there is no foundation to work off of because the, the usability of the site is actually so broken. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And it, it's always tough, uh, especially with new clients, 
you have to build up, uh, especially as, a, as an outside consultant, you have to build up trust. And if you enter a company uh, and tell the owner, look, <laughs> your baby is ugly, it's, it's, a, it's a hard point to take, especially uh, in bigger companies. Everything on their website looks like that for a reason. The website probably got put together with sales wanting with their parameters and, and, and customer support and then marketing uh, does the, the whole layover. And it looks like that for a reason. And it's always... I always have to take a step back a bit as well to, to not suggest, okay, let's completely redesign uh, this website. I find that actually taking a bit of slower approach and trying to show the, if, if the customer, uh, of course, if your customer sees the value of a whole redesign and, and is convinced of that, you're sure, or, or if you believe that will produce results, go for that approach. If the, however, if the customer is more hesitant, something I, I see more uh, in, in redesigns because with the associated costs, uh, if they're a bit more hesitant, I always w try to work on, on, smaller, on a smaller project, um, on one landing page, maybe if they have incoming advertising from PPC or banners, I try to work on that page and really work your way up the ladder, create more trust with the client by showing wins in these uh, small areas and really showing them the improvements and communicating the value that these improvements have before tackling yeah, the bigger uh, picture, let's say. Okay, that's a very interesting approach. I mean, I think it's a great luxury that you can work on dedicated landing pages. I don't think that a lot of, well, some clients are just resistant to that kind of approach. And a lot of my clients are people with e-commerce shops and they have a lot of products. So we're talking about 30, 50, some of them have thousands of products. And I find it more useful, at least from a first test or first few test perspective to concentrate on the value proposition and the optimizations for the shop as a whole rather than a specific product because each specific product might have very little traffic and you, can get much, you won't get much traction out of that. So it's good that you can work on dedicated landing pages. Yeah, it's a bit the, the type of client, I have to say. You're right, with, with e-commerce, it's a, it's a different story. And um, your approach to, uh, to trying to find out a bit more uh, what, what makes the store unique and try to communicate that to the customer, it might indeed uh, prove better results than, than working on, uh, on specific layouts or uh, specific parts of the, of the website. Right. Any other problems you have to share? Not really. It's it's uh, the brochure website are a bit my pet peeve because I <laughs> I run into them a lot and um, it's always hard to um, it's always hard to to tackle these uh, these issues. So could you share with us some of the more interesting conversion optimization case studies you've worked on and also some of the lessons you learned from them? Um, yeah, one of my clients we try to do. They're focused on on selling training um, in a in a whole variety of uh, of areas and. One of the things they are trying to see, and this is also a bit more a high-level test versus a, a headline or, or a copy test, and we were trying to discuss a bit the, the future of uh, of their of their business with them. And of course, they the, the many of the trainings that they give are in person, um, or in in they go to the company and uh, train people on uh, certain subjects. And we were talking a bit more about the future of their business and uh, an online video. So they sent out a lot of a lot of emailing campaigns. And we came up with a with a proposition to to really test this, to see the the, the response of people to this uh, to this online online video concept. So we actually created the same course, uh, and one made it clear that it was an in-person training. They would have to show up on a location, or a trainer would come to their company. And the other was really like an 
an online course. And, and then we, we saw the, the response from, uh, from people also going to a landing page, which, which would communicate uh, the, same, the same type of results, complete with uh, the checkout flow that they already have in place. And the, the results we saw from that, because uh, internally, they're really uh, convinced still that the in-person is a, is a, is a much, more, uh, much more trustworthy and, and a much higher value uh, as the online training. But this, uh, this campaign showed actually that there is a lot of interest with these clients. It was, I think they saw like 23% higher subscription uh, subscriptions from this online training course than the actual training course. So while it, it, it won't change uh, the way they do business, but it will change the, the approach they take to this online video. It, it, it's, for them, it's internally also a way to, to show to other people like, look, uh, this experiment that we did, we had a lot more subscriptions. We have to think more about it. And I'm sure like this, this type of test, it, it fuels a bit more the whole business further than just uh, optimizing a certain part of the website. Then as you mentioned a bit earlier about running an A-B test and then validating the A-B test, could you tell us a bit more about your process on how you validate the test? Yeah, sure. Um, when we run A-B tests, as I said, we, we always try to, uh, to create a hypothesis to, to really... Uh, make it clear to have a clear objective to know what we're testing and then also to have a clear measure of success to know if the test if the test failed or, or if it went through correctly. One of the ways we do it, of course, we always look at uh, the statistical significance of the tests to really validate uh, a hypothesis or reject it. Uh, and that, that's like the first step. Uh, what we do then is we try to build on this hypothesis, like if it was rejected, we try to test something similar, um, but which goes into the same direction that, that we're thinking. Uh, and we try to, yeah, to, to keep doing this until we come on a result that, uh, that actually satisf that's satisfying for, for us and for, uh, for the client. So in essence, you run many tests in a, many similar tests? M many similar tests. Let, let, let's say we want, to, uh, we want to test the amount of features uh, that are presented uh, on a pricing page for a piece of software. And we're trying to think like, okay, the more features we put on the page, the better it converts. So we, we would run, okay, increasing the, the amount of features from, uh, from two to eight will increase the, the conversion rate. Then we see, okay, this test, uh, it's insignificant. So we say, yeah, but customer surveys tell us that people are, are confused about exactly the, the difference between the different pricing plans, for example. The idea was then to use this test uh, as a way to validate it, to, to make clear the distinction between the plans. So then we try to test in, in the same direction. We won't test the exact same things, or if we tested eight features, we won't test seven features, but we try to stay in the same realm to, to really find out if, if this nugget of information that we picked up from, uh, from a couple of customers to really see if we can make changes on the side that really validate this or um, that validate that this is a real concern. And it, it might after, after 10 tests that we, 10 tests on a certain piece that we run, if it's all insignificant, if we really see no results, no trending results, then uh, we might say, okay, it, it wasn't a concern for, for all customers. Okay, that's a quite a unique approach. But I can see how that could work because instead of just running one test and saying, well, we are done, you run several tests to make sure that it's more valid, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, definitely. When you're running uh, only one test uh, and, and you fail, it, it doesn't mean anything because as you see, you go back and you see 70 to 80% um, of all A-B tests fail. So you have to be aware of that 
before you start and you you will run into into failure into uh, into insignificant tests a lot so by preparing for that to not putting all your your eggs in one basket to say to just run this one test and then go test the next part you have to be a bit more um, a bit more thorough and I, I like it this more methodical approach that you say okay we're going to test, if we're testing on, on, on the pricing page, we're going to use some information that we've seen before, maybe from analytics or from customer interviews or from, for example, uh, a sales representative that says, okay, this, this feature is really important. So we might, might try to highlight it. We don't see an improvement. Okay, we might do. We might try to do something different with that feature. That, that, that's what, that way you're, you're really, you can check it off. If then a couple of months later, somebody asks like, yeah, Shouldn't we do this or that? And you can say, yeah, we ran a test in, in that area and it, it proved out to be correct or it proved out that actually it's not really a concern of, uh, of our customer. So how do you translate the testing into a learning? And I guess some of your clients are pretty big clients. And how does that transform into a learning throughout the whole organization? That's always a hard one because uh, every situation, even for a certain client, Every test uh, can be can be unique. One uh, one client where we're working on um, it would change on, on every campaign. We would we would take learnings that we had from one campaign, uh, from one type of a product they were uh, they were promoting a bit more and running tests on that campaign. A couple of months later, they were running a different campaign, and we we applied the same learnings because yeah, these became let's say, best practices within the organization every time we, we would come across. Uh, it was a certain benefit uh, for, for this product. So we really thought, okay, this, uh, this benefit is a champion. So we pushed it onto our website and we, 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 we ran it in, a, in, a, in our advertisements. But then when a new campaign came along and we, we used that and we ran a test with, with actually the old approach, we saw that the old approach worked better. So we even transferring this, this, this knowledge through, throughout the organization, it, it remains very hard, I find. Why do you think that happened? Because that's kind of odd. I'm, I'm not really sure uh, why that happened. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's to do with, with, a, with a different type of... Uh, we try to make sure that we, we had the, the same type of audience, uh, the same type of channel, the same type of product. And uh, it's always hard to, to, to explain exactly what went wrong or what went right. But one, one, one takeaway I have from, from, from this campaign and, and something that's stuck in internally as well um, is to, if, you, if you've tested something and uh, to not see it as, as the golden goose, let's say, and, and use that throughout everything you have, it can be, uh, it can be that it works. But you also should be aware and, and keep testing. Something that worked today might not be working in, uh, in three months' time. That's an awesome answer because that's what I tell my clients as well. That like um, There are many factors that affect the conversion rate. It could be a seasonal factor, even though a lot of clients will claim my product is not seasonal, but the buying patterns are seasonal and people change. People might want something else due to whatever reason so uh, that's the that's the only thing that i can tell them like you just have to keep testing and improving on it and if it doesn't work we'll try something else yeah it's it's not always easy for for clients it's not easy for us as a uh, practitioners to to accept this so uh, i imagine it's it's even harder for for clients who say like yeah we ran tests we, we spend all this time uh finding this uh, this piece of information and then to see that actually yeah a couple of months later it doesn't uh it's not producing value anymore. It can be. It can be hard. 
Yeah, I'm running a particularly difficult test at the moment. So we went out to do the surveys, we talked to the business owner, and we're running a test, and the needle is not moving. It's, it, it's like counterintuitive to everything with research, but that's just the way testing works. Could you tell us your top actionable tip for improving conversions on a website? So if you just have one tip, what would that be? Uh, one tip to increase conversions. Um, I would say get started. And, uh, and to get started, I, I would start, um, if you don't have access, uh, can always go, go and talk with a, with a company for an infinite amount of time or with, or with the customer. But really um, dig into the, the analytics, um, look for weak points and, um, and go work there. That's uh, like pages with, with high bounce rates that should be converting. Um, that is uh, abandoned funnels, pages in your funnel that aren't really converting. Uh, I would say have a look there and, uh, and see if you can uh, move the needle that way. That's an awesome tip. So I guess your tip is to just get started right away, which is so true because a lot of people don't do any optimizations and they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a hard, maybe this is a, a good closer to, to think about. And it's tough to, to get started with optimization for a lot of people. And one of the things I think is because the, the hurdle seems so much, there's so much information uh, out there. And also in, in, in our conversation here today, we talk about methodology and, and we talk about um, sig statistical significance and it just adds to the perceived complexity um, of AP testing and uh, conversion optimization. And a lot of the times it's just about being, being more metric focused. And one of, one of the approaches I, I take with my clients is a lot of my clients I get started by running, uh, running AdWords campaigns. And with that, I can really show them, okay, how much money they put in, how well the, the, the traffic converted onto their website. And this whole process um, makes, them, makes them more uh, familiar with concepts like uh, conversion rates and, and, uh, and the click-through rates uh, and uh, the bounces and uh, abandoned funnels and, and all those concepts that, that, that might seem like a big barrier. Uh, it introduces them to, to all these concepts. And then I find when they're a bit more aware of, of all these different type of metrics and they know they really know what it means, they're, they're much more open to, uh, to trying running A-B tests uh, or to, yeah, to try to improve the, the conversion rate. Thanks for your time today. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about you or your business or your marketing consultancy, how can they get in touch with you? People can reach our, our company at uh, www.blackbeltrobots.com. Um, or if they want to personally get in touch, they can shoot me an email uh, at dennis at blackbeltrobots.com or on Twitter, I'm Dennis Moons. So it was great to be here, Francis. Great to have you. Thank you. Hey everyone, as promised, I've got something really special for you. As you may already know, I'm the founder of conversionsguaranteed.com, my own conversion optimization agency specializing in helping e-commerce website owners increase the conversion rate. A few of you wrote in asking for help on how to increase your website's conversion rate. To help our listeners, I'm offering a free iQuant attention map worth $40 each to the first 20 listeners who write in, and also send along some quick tips on how to increase your website's conversions. You may remember iQuant from episode 4 of the podcast. It's a tool that helps predict what a visitor might see in the crucial first 3 seconds when they first arrive at a web page. We use it almost daily in our conversion optimization work, and it has proven to be an invaluable tool. To get your free attention map, just write into feedback at conversionspodcast.com and I'll be in touch. Or you can just fill up the contact form on conversionspodcast.com. Looking forward to hearing from you and helping you increase your website's conversion rate.
Thank you for listening to the Conversions Podcast. Please leave us a review and rating on iTunes if you enjoy our podcast. We love hearing from you. Connect with us at our website, conversionspodcast.com, and let us know what you think. 